Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. minutes we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it i want all your ideas all your opinions all your beliefs and of course as always you will get a heavy dose of my opinion you have an opinion number to call 646-727-3070 that's 646-727-3070 you can listen to the show blogtalkradio.com slash pgan send messages to the show on twitter at go for it and while you're there at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Give me a follow at GoForItGant. And also, make sure you hit up the new website, GoForItGant Sports, as we talk some more sports there, and we have a little bit more fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by one one of the stars of BET's hit series, The Quad, actor Jake Allen. Jake Allen plays Bojan the quarterback on that particular show. So we're going to talk to Jake about that. Jake's a Cowboy fan. He is a Dallas Cowboys fan. So we're going to get his thoughts on the Cowboys and, you know, what transpired there against the Green Bay Packers. Also get his thoughts on the show and what's going on with the show. Ratings are good. A lot of people are talking about it, so that's a great thing. Also, one of the stars of a movie that's going to be in theaters on March 24th. Chris Staples will be joining us. Chris is one of the stars of the movie Slamma Jamma, and that will be in theaters on March 24th. So we're going to talk to Chris about that big-time movie that's going to be in theaters March 24th. So we got Jake Allen. We also have Chris Staples. we got a good, good show. Great, great show coming up and coming at you. So let's get right down to it. And as we go through these next 90 minutes, got a lot to get to. I'll talk to Bill McKee and Shaquille O'Neal and that whole situation, how and why I believe is much to do about nothing. Going to talk NFL Combine. Also going to talk to Golden State Warriors and life after Kevin Durant, at least for the next four weeks, at least for the next four weeks. And also we're going to talk about Joe B and the Philadelphia 76ers, that whole process, because the process is done at this point in time. So we got a lot to get to in a short time to get there. Let's start now. Let's start now um, with Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette came to the combine. There was a lot of talk about his weight, 240 pounds. So people were talking about that. Fournette said it was water weight. That's one of the reasons he's at 240. But we talked about, you know, everybody talked about it. A lot of people talked about it. 
And so Fournette went out today, blazed the 40 at 4.51. So if you look at 4.51, first and foremost, that's the best time or the fastest time by a running back weighing 240 pounds or more since 2006. And his time was close to Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Both of those guys, McCaffrey at 202 and Cook at 210. So Fournette at almost 30 pounds more, well, 30 pounds more than Cook and 38 pounds more than McCaffrey was in pretty close to their times as well. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not a bad situation for Leonard Fournette. I guess one thing you could talk about Leonard Fournette and what not could be the his vertical, 28 and a half. That's better than, you know, we're looking at the past four combines. That's better than only two running backs. I mean, two running backs have only done worse than that. You know, so, I mean, the vertical obviously is not where he wanted it to be. But <clears throat> the 40 time was 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 solid, was decent, especially for a 240-pound man, a beast of a man in Leonard Fournette. So for Leonard Fournette, I guess it was a mixed bag. But I think at the end of the day, you know, come his pro day, I don't know how much that vertical is going to change. But come that pro day, maybe he can get that 40 time lower. I mean, that 40 time with the way it is, it's okay, especially at his weight and his size. But hopefully for him, it can be better. And then hopefully for him, he can, you know, I guess on some level, I guess on some level, you know, take the bad tastes out of the mouth of some people. But I don't think, I don't think at the end of the day, it's going to affect much. I, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to get drafted high. I think when it's all said and done, based off his performance in college where he was big time, where he did some big time things, many thought he, was be, he would be the Heisman at this point in time. But, you know, the things that he did in college I think is enough. I think it'll stand. And I think he'll be okay. You know, some people said he lost today. Some people said he did okay today. He stayed the course. All depends who you talk to. Christian McCaffrey, a guy like Fournette who set out the bowl game, he had a good day as well, 4.4840. And that vertical jump, 37 and a half. And, and when you talk about vertical jump, it's all about explosion. So that vertical jump could, could be a gauge of how explosive you could be as a running back. So Fournette having such a, a, a low vertical, I mean, maybe that's an indication that me he may not have the level of explosion. But the tape says otherwise. The film says otherwise. He's and I don't. I'm not one who likes to get caught up in all this combine, combine excuse me, business. I mean, you're in shorts. Obviously, you know, pads on. Obviously, no helmet on. I mean, so I don't know how much I read into what I watch with the NFL Combine. 
I'm not one of these guys who get caught up in this. Obviously, GMs and scouts and all them, all those guys, they get caught up in it. I mean, it's their job. And, you know, I'm not one who takes so much stock in it. You've seen guys who've had great combine days, great pro days, combine babies. You know, guys who, Mike Momoa, Philadelphia Eagle, well, in 1995 was drafted. And, you know, his stock rose after his combine performance and, and, and how he just amazed everybody with some of the stuff that he did. So he amazed the world with his combine performance. And so his combine performance got him picked early by the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe nine. Picked ahead of a Warren, a Warren Sapp, Hall of Famer Warren Sapp. Now, again, granted, at the time, Warren Sapp, there were some red flags about some, some positive tests for marijuana and things of that nature. So there were some character issues in fairness to the teams that passed over Warren Sapp. But one of the reasons Mike Mawula went over Warren Sapp was his performance at the Combine. So the Combine is important, especially for these players. The Combine could be the difference of, you know, millions of dollars. It really could. I mean, you could go out there and, you know, people might think highly of you and you stink the joint up at the combine. And instead of going high, you end up going low. Instead of going to the first round, you might go to the, go in the second. So the reality is when it comes to that, the combine does matter. But again, I don't know how much you can gauge in shorts and a tank top. I don't know how much. So, end of that. End of that. We'll see how this whole thing plays out. And we'll see if it'll mean anything for Leonard Fournette. You know, we'll see if it means anything for Christian McCaffrey. We'll see if it means anything for Dalvin Cook. I think teams, if they, if they love or loved, excuse me, Leonard Fournette, I think they still probably love him now. And the teams that may have had some doubts about Leonard Fournette, I think they probably still have their doubts now. But again, at the end of the day, you know, these GMs, these scouts, these people are going to sit down, these coaches, they're going to sit down with these players. They're going to talk to these players. They're going to get into the head of these players and figure out what kind of player that player could be. They're, They're going to do that. So we'll see what happens moving forward. But, I mean, you know, obviously Leonard Fournette, again, in terms of his 40 time, in terms of his 40 time, um, you know, for a man his size, it was impressive. But his vertical has to get better. And, again, we'll we'll see what happens at the pro day. But, again, I don't think this affects his stock too, too much. We'll see what happens. There's a new movie coming out. March 24th, it will be in theaters. The movie is Slamma Jamma. It's a movie about a guy, a dunker, who, a basketball player who went into jail, spent time in prison for a crime he did not commit, came out, and, and was trying to redeem himself. 
So we're going to bring in one of the stars, the lead actor in that particular movie, Slam and Jammer. The lead actor, Chris Staples, he's the lead in that movie. And we're going to talk Chris to Chris now about that particular movie. And again, March 24th, make sure you're in theaters watching Slam and Jammer. Let's bring him in now. Actor, professional dunker, and one of the stars of Slamma Jamma in theaters, March 24th, Chris Staples. Chris, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Chris, first and foremost, how did this role come about for you? Uh, actually, the director reached out to me. I guess he's seen like maybe some of my dunks on YouTube or some kind of social media, but he reached out to my personal uh, website and he said that there was a role, a basketball role, that, and if I was interested into it. And so I thought, hey, why not? So I went to the audition and uh, did pretty well, obviously, and he, uh, he selected me. For sure, and obviously you got one of the lead roles in this particular uh, movie. So you play the role of Michael Diggs, a guy who comes out of prison after being wrongly accused. I know the basketball part probably came easy for you, but talk about how you prepare for this role. It was very, uh, it was challenging for me because I've never been in a situation where I had to actually have so many lines. I mean, I've done like little small plays, obviously in high school and things like that, but never to this magnitude. So... Yeah, as you as you were saying, the basketball role was was easy for me. That that part came naturally, but it was the acting that I had to actually work on and and, uh, and nail. And so before we started filming, the director put me with some of the best acting coaches out here in L.A. And every day up until the day we filmed, I was I was every day just practicing with uh, some of the cast members, just going to the coaches every day, and just making sure I was sharp by the time we started to film. So did you feel like you nailed it? I felt like I did a good job, at least for my first film. I mean, I'm, I'm such a big critic of myself. So, of course, I don't think I did as well, but, you know, I had some great supporters that said it was pretty good, and a lot of people said the movie touched them. So I felt like that was the whole purpose of the, of the film. So I've done my part. For sure, for sure. So this movie... It, it's an inspirational story. It's a story about redemption. Did the story resonate with you at all? It definitely resonated with me. Uh, I felt like I did fit the role of the character because uh, it, was a, it was about decisions at the end of the day, and uh, it's about making the right decision. And sometimes we do make that wrong decision, and we need that second chance. So um, it, it really resonated because I felt like I've been in situations like that where I needed that that inspiration, that I needed that motivation to, to go even harder, even though I was I may have hit rock bottom. And so, you know, it related to me a lot, and I really got into my character throughout the time we were filming. For sure. We're talking to one of the stars of the hit movie Slamma Jamma, which will be in theaters March 24th. So let me ask you this now, Chris. You're on set with guys like Michael Irvin, guys like Jose Canseco. What's it like being on set with those guys? It was great. I mean, it was a great experience. I'm a big fan of football, so Michael Irvin's one of my favorite receivers to watch. He was one of my favorite receivers to watch. So to be on set with him 
was uh, was very different. I mean, I've never been in this type of world where I'm in a, a acting sense. And uh, he was a very good guy, very funny, very uh, personable to talk to. Jose Canseco was just as funny. Uh, they were all good people, and uh, just they were all out there ready to work. And so we were all in the, like sitting at the same table. And so to be sitting at the at the same table with some Hall of Famers, you know, that says a lot. And I was just really fortunate to be in that type of uh, situation. So now this movie, obviously, like you said, it resonated with you. And it's a story about redemption. Now, your character, Michael Diggs, do you relate to him at all? I definitely can relate to him because I've been in situations where people didn't believe in me at one point. When people say, hey, like, for Michael, he had he had gone to jail for six years. And when he got out, a lot of people had doubted him. Uh, although I had never been in uh, in, in jail before, but I've had people that doubted me, and I didn't let that phase me. I continued to stay focused and stay on the right path until I eventually accomplished some of my dreams, accomplished some of my goals. So I understood where Michael was coming from from his standpoint, just to stay focused and have faith. For sure. So obviously, man, you are a professional dunker. You can dunk the basketball, no doubt about it. That Christ in the air jam. That was sick. How'd you come up Thank with you. that one? Uh, wow. Uh, actually, a friend came up with the dunk. Uh, he could. He can't even dunk, but you know, he he studies dunks all the time. And he came up with an idea, like, hey, you know, we actually got that dunk from a skateboarder. Uh, so the the name of the dunk comes from a skateboarder. He he jumps up and he lifts the skateboard off from under his feet and he holds it up straight. And um, we thought, hey, can we do that? Could we do this with a basketball? And so we tried it, you know, actually, uh, I mean, it, it worked out, and it was just, it was fun, you know, to be in the gym creating a different dunk, and we never thought that the dunk would actually go viral as it did. I just thought, oh, hey, it's a cool-looking dunk, but it only looks good in slow motion. But that was the point of it, and so when people see it, they love it. And uh, I'm glad I, I kind of have that as a signature dunk now. Can you fly? <laughs> uh, no, I, I wouldn't say fly, but I can leap very high. That's what I would say. Because when I look at that Christ in the Air jam, it's like you're in the air, and you're like, oh, let me just turn this way and just put it in there. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I mean, yeah, I, I love that dunk, actually. And now when I do that dunk in, in person, people really like it. I mean, even... If they've never seen it before, I love the reaction I get from people. So I know it's a pretty cool-looking dunk because you have to kind of pause in the air for a second before you actually make the dunk. So, um, yeah, it's very difficult, but, I, you know, um, I like it, though. <laughs> We're talking to one of the stars of the movie, Slamma Jamma, actor Chris Staples. And, Chris, it says here on your Twitter page you are a professional dunker. What's the life of a professional dunker like? Oh, the life of a professional dunker. It's a lot of traveling. It's a lot of traveling because people want to see you in, the, in different places. So there are always competitions uh, worldwide. So I've been probably to about 60 countries worldwide. I used to play with the Harlem Globetrotters for three and a half years, so we obviously traveled a lot. And dunking is really exciting to people. People love it. They gravitate to it. If you look at the NBA dunk contest, it's always the last event of the day. It's always so much hype built around it. If you look at Sports Center, you know, top ten, more than likely five of those things are going to be dunked. So 
I love the fact of dunk. I love dunking because it doesn't get old. It doesn't. You don't grow old of slam dunks. And so um, the life is just traveling and, uh, and entertaining people, entertaining different crowds. It doesn't matter the language, the country, because dunking is exciting in any language, you know. So, um, and I love it. I mean, I love to, to have that, to be able to show up and do something that I love to do. Is there a lot of money to be made in, in pro dunking and being a pro dunker? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, a lot of money to be made. Uh, there's a show called The Dunk King, actually, and one of my good friends who's actually playing in the movie, uh, he's 5'5", five five, and he actually jumped over Shaquille O'Neal on The Dunk King. He won $100,000, you know, for okay. that contest. So, I mean, okay. some people don't even make $100,000 in a year, and he made it in a night. So, that, you know, there, there's money to be made. It's competition throughout the world all the time throughout the year. And it's about branding yourself. So if you can do dunking and brand yourself in the same sense, I mean, you can do it. You can make a lot of, you can make a ton of money off of it, a good living. Are you the best dunker in the world? I'm never the one to brag about anything. So I would never say there's always someone better than you. But I feel like I'm the best at what I do. Okay. So maybe, I mean, it's, it's all a matter of opinion. Um, there's no, like, crown to say, hey, he's the best dunker or he's, you know, we all compete in different ways. All of us have lost. All of us have won. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of opinion. Now, we saw this year's NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Didn't really resonate with the fans. Wasn't really much of a buzz with this particular contest. Why do you think that was? What I think about that is, I mean, these NBA players, they practice on their game every day. So, you know, dunking is just an in-game thing that happens to happen. It's not something that they're – that they go out there knowing it's going to happen, that they're going to do a dunk. So, you know, um, I think a lot of those guys, they watch YouTube, they watch social media and see Instagram and stuff like that where they look at these dunks that go viral and a lot of people are gravitating to these dunks, so they want to try those dunks as well. I mean, these guys are the same age as me. So I understand that they are looking at social media just like I may be looking at it. But, you know, we're professionals at it. This is something that we do. So if we bring them into our world where it's about the professional dunking, they're going to struggle a little bit because this is just something that they practice all the time. So it's, it's different. It's tough when you're on TV and it's live TV and, you know, you have to sit down and wait because, you know, but your adrenaline's pumping so much. So there, there's a lot of pros and cons with that. It's, it's tough. But um, I believe that they should bring some of the pro dunkers into the NBA for the show. I mean, if you're going to spend so much money on a dunk contest, you might as well have the best. For sure. For sure. So and why not have some of these NBA players that's like judges or something? I think they should add maybe a little twist, maybe have like all the NBA players and then maybe select like one or two street, you know, professional dunkers. And you know, right. try to take it from there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, why not have a twist? You know, you can't it can't hurt as bad as it was this year. It wouldn't hurt to try something different. You might have you might have a lot of people that support it, like, hey, yeah, let's let's see. For sure, for sure. So obviously we know who you are as a dunker. You're big time, you're sick, you do some crazy things. But who are you as an actor at this point? As an actor, I'm I'm up and coming right now. I'm just getting started on my acting career. Uh, Slam Jamma was a great way to start it by actually being the the lead role in the film. 
and uh, just getting more comfortable behind the camera uh, speaking-wise. I'm very comfortable as far as entertaining, but as far as speaking and uh, becoming, showing different types of emotion in front of the camera, uh, that's, that's where I stand at right now. But I'm up and coming, and hopefully this won't be the last. This will be just the beginning of a great acting career. How did you, or how do you, obviously you're an up-and-coming actor, obviously you're, you're still learning the craft, but how do you tap into that emotional side? You know, you really have to focus um, on that, on that at the emotional side because you have to kind of put yourself in that person's shoes. So one thing about me, I read the script, I probably read the script 30 times before I even showed up to, to rehearse. Um, and so I had to put myself in that state of mind where I'm like, man, what if this was me? You know, what if I really had to go to jail for a crime I didn't commit? How would I really be in this situation? I mean, you know, and you really have to put yourself in that person's shoes before you go into set. And when you do that, you know, the camera, the camera can tell everything. The camera tells no lies. It'll, it'll, your expressions and your emotions will come out. And I just had to really focus in on that. For sure, for sure. We're talking to one of the stars, Slamma Jamma, coming to theaters March 24th. How much do you follow the NBA? I follow the NBA pretty pretty close. So we look at what's going on in the NBA at this point in time. We look at Kevin Durant. He's going to be out at least four weeks. If Well, let's put it this way. How much does that change things, if any? That changes the game, right, the entire game. Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the NBA. But, and, and, and you really don't, and I understand what LeBron do, does by stacking up his team. Because the Cavaliers are so stacked. But I understand because if one person goes down, you really don't realize how fragile your team could possibly be. Like, we didn't expect Kevin Durant to go down, but the fact that he did go down, you see Golden State looks very fragile now. Like, wow, like, right. Man, you guys might not even win the championship now. They were a 73 and 19 without Kevin Durant, but they they gave up so much to get Kevin Durant. So now you don't have Andrew Bogut and Harrison Barnes and Leandro Barbosa, those guys who actually contributed, you know, to that 73 and 19. So without Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's a rebounder as well as a person who gets to the line and averaging 27 points a game. So that does change the game a lot. And you know, I mean, he can't be stopped by a lot of people. So now there's one less person you have to worry about, but that's a person that averaged 27 points that you don't have to worry about. Right. So we'll, we'll see. Ultimately, again, he will be reevaluated in four weeks, and hopefully for the Warriors, that reevaluation or it will, will go well, and he'll be back for them come playoff time. If, right. let's, let's just go hypothetically. Kevin Durant is healthy. Everybody's healthy. Warriors are healthy. Cavaliers are healthy. End of the day, are those two teams going to be in the NBA Finals? And if they are, who wins it all? Oh, wow. That, that's a, that's a toss-up. I mean, I, it all really does depend on Kevin Durant coming back healthy. If he does come back healthy and ready to go, then uh, I think the Warriors have a great chance because um, that guy can't be stopped. But I would, I would, just, I would love to see a rematch, though. I would love to see a rematch. And, and with Kevin Durant against LeBron James, because that would be the matchup right there, how good Kevin Durant plays against LeBron. For sure. But for, for me, sure. personally, I would love I, – I'm a person for upsets. I love upsets. 
what I would love to see, and I I know we're in California, but I would love to see Oklahoma City upset Golden State. Okay. I would right. love to see that. Because I would Actually, love to see Westbrook get that edge. Right. I agree with you. Because when those two teams played, uh, when they played a few weeks ago out there in OKC, I was rooting for uh, OKC, but at the end of the day, there's just too much talent on Golden State so for OKC talent. to handle. So much, man. I mean, like, you think about it. I was just watching the game like, man, Kevin Durant cannot be stopped. When he's no. hot, there's nothing you can do about it. He no. can go for 60 if you want to. So, you, he, he was – I mean, Westbrook was going, but he's a one-man show. Definitely. And, you know, you have, a, you have a team in Golden State. Now, you play basketball – so you know how hard it is to act, to get a triple-double. But Russell Westbrook right. is probably going to mess around and average a triple-double. How amazing is that? Westbrook is, to me, is the best player in the league. I love LeBron. I, I go with LeBron right after that. But, man, this guy is, that's unbelievable. And a lot of people, you know, they always go on him because he turns the ball over or he takes bad shots sometimes, but man, he he works harder than anybody I've ever seen in the NBA. I mean, he I've, I've met him before, a guy, he's about my height, about 6'3". I mean, to do that, to average 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and like 30 points, like how, what are you, what are you taking to do all that? <laughs> you know, this guy is up and down the court doing everything. So, I mean, hats off to him. I mean, he left, he left Kevin Durant left, and Russell Westbrook's averaging more assists than he's ever averaged making guys who aren't even star all-stars in the league, you know, average good points, a good amount of points. So how are you averaging 11 assists with no stars or anything? So. Exactly, exactly. And if you look at, like you said, who's surrounding him, not a lot right. of options. Not a lot of options. <laughs> right. right. What he's doing makes it even more impressive. So March 24th, Slamma Jamma in theaters. Tell us why. End of the day. Tell us why we should drop our money and go see Slamma Jamma. The reason you should drop whatever you're doing and go see Slamma Jamma is because this is a this is a film like no other. One, there are no stunt doubles. You're seeing some of the best dunkers in the world. You haven't you watched the NBA dunk contest, you were unsatisfied. You were you were dissatisfied. But you won't be dissatisfied with these guys because we're the best. You're watching the best of the best in a real movie. I mean, you've been watching Street Duncan for years, but you've never seen us on the big screen. But it's not all about basketball. It's also a message within this film. I mean, it's a rated PG movie. It's faith. It's about faith-based. So, you know, you're getting a good message. There's no, there's no cursing in the movie. There's no violence. There's only a message that you can share with your – you can drop your kids off at this movie. They're going to be entertained because of the dunking. But at the end of the day, they're going to get a message that they've been – needing and you don't have many movies like this since that message and um man i mean it's an emotional roller coaster type of movie because you're it's going to be times in the movie where you're going to laugh so many times you're going to be angry so many times you might shed a tear and then gonna be times you're really excited because of all the things that are going on so i mean this is something that for the ages i mean they did a the director did a really good job as far as the storyline goes and it'll be something you'll want to see over and over again for sure. So, fans, first and foremost, March 24th, this movie is in theaters nationwide. Go to the website, slamajamamovie.com. 
Go to Facebook, Slam a Jammer. Go to Twitter, Slam a Jammer, zero zero. And, and just and also, oh by the way, hit up this man Chris Staples on Twitter. I am Chris Staples, and support all the great things going on with Slam a Jammer, and all the great things going on with Pro Dunker and actor Chris Staples. Before we get out of here, I heard your your motto as well. Talk about that. Oh uh, man, um, my very very different, very new. Um, I did the. The Angela Simmons runway show and for Fashion Week in New York, that was a great experience. I mean, Angela Simmons, she picked a, a few of us guys to walk in her show and uh, present some clothes, clothing, and uh, it was great, great experience. And now I'm kind of trying to add that to the mix of all the other stuff that's going on. And, I mean, it, it's great. I mean, it's my like I said, it's my first time doing something like that, but it's a great way to brand myself and, and – uh, and hopefully, you know, I can something can come out of this. Do you feel like you did your thing? Uh, oh yeah, for the fashion show, I felt like I did my thing. I was ready for that. Okay. A lot of those models, they were so like nervous, but I wasn't nervous. I was ready. Like this is this is my time to shine. So <laughs> I, it was fun. Very fun. Uh, I can imagine. So fans, again, March twenty fourth. Make sure you go out and see this movie, Slam a Jamma, and again support all the great things going on. With actor Chris Staples. Chris, absolute pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Remember, go see it March 24th, Slamma Jamma, the best basketball movie since White Man Can Jump. For sure. So, fans, get out there. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot. Chris Staples, one of the stars of Slamma Jamma, and Slamma Jamma will be in theaters. March 24th. So make sure you get out there and go see it and support Slam and Jam and support my man Chris Staples. Let's go to Joel Embiid now. Joel Embiid, it was announced after 31 games, 31 games of beautiful basketball, of three point shots, dunks, block shots, running the floor. I mean, we saw a guy, a special big in Joel Embiid for, 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 for 31 games. Some of the games that he missed was because of rest and a part, uh, I, I guess a part of the process on some level and, and bringing Joel Embiid back. But man, man, oh man, it just ended. You know, I'm a Sixers fan, and don't get me wrong. The Sixers were 13 and 18 with Joel Embiid in the lineup. That's far better than what they were over the years doing the process, doing the tanking. You know, heck, last year they won 10 games. So it was a fun run and a fun ride in Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. He just, as a Sixers fan, you were excited, but I also think as a fan of the NBA, you were excited because you found another guy, another uh, a big who can run the floor, like I said, shoot threes, do it all. And you found a guy who was personable, who was funny. You know, he, he had everything, personality. He had it all, and now it ended. And we look at Joel Embiid and 
I know at some point he's eligible for an extension. And I believe that extension could be five years, $150 million, which is a lot of money. And I think the reality of the situation is if you're the Sixers, after what you saw from Joel Embiid, and I know before, you know, he missed the first two years because of a foot. And now he missed this, you know, he missed, he will be missing the rest of this year because of a meniscal tear. You know, so at this point, I think it is fair to question whether or not you should build your friend, you know, build your team around Joel Embiid and whether or not you can trust him. I mean, you look at it, he's played out of a possible 246 games, he's played only 31. 31. Yao in that same time frame, Yao Ming, 234 times he played. Sam Bowie, 101 times he played. And then Greg Oden played 82 out of the first, out of 246 possible games. Well, Joel Embiid, I'm, I'm, let me get that back. Greg Oden, 82 times. 82 games in three years. Okay, so basically around the same. But the reality is, is this. You have a situation with Joel Embiid where if you're the Sixers, you have to figure out whether or not you can trust the process per se. Can you trust building your franchise around this guy? Can you do it? Because I think it's a very difficult proposition for the Philadelphia 76ers to build your team around them at the same time, at the same time, I think you're going to have to take that chance. I, I think you have to take that chance, even though you don't want to, maybe, even though you may have a level of reluctance. I think you got to do it. Now, I'm hearing reports that, you know, this is different. This won't affect them at all moving forward, he should be straight, he should be good to go. But it becomes very difficult when you have three seasons to play and out of those three years, you only played in 31 games. That's a difficult thing to swallow. And, and part of the reason was the process in terms of resting him and things of that nature. But you hope, I hope, Obviously, as a Sixers fan, that Joel Embiid will be okay. I hope as a Sixers fan. But I think as a league, you want Joel to be Joel Embiid to be okay because I feel like Joel Embiid has personality, man. He has a lot, and he can bring a lot to the table. He has star power. And fans were flocking to games in Philadelphia to see that star power. And then you got the Sixers now. I mean, this is kind of a common theme in some respect and some with some of their guys. I mean, you know, Ben Simmons now out for the year, but you look at Nerlens Noel coming off the ACL injury, you know, he didn't play his rookie year. You look at, um, obviously, Joel Embiid, he didn't play his first two seasons. Ben Simmons didn't play at all. And then you had last year Okafor, Jaleel Okafor, who missed some time because of a knee injury as well. So you look at the situation with the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, and, and, and who they drafted over the years, you know, this is kind of par for the course. This is kind of what you get 
when you're a Sixers draft pick. Kind of comes to the territory on some level. It is what it is. It kind of comes to the territory. If you're a Sixer draft pick, you know, expect to redshirt. If you're a draft pick of the Philadelphia 76ers, just put on that red shirt. You know, put on the hat first and foremost, and then put on that red shirt. Jill Okafor played 53 games last year. So that's 29 games he missed. And then again, Narlon's no well none in his rookie year, and Bede none, Ben Simmons none. So again, par for the courts with the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I think there's a question we're going to have to talk about moving forward a little more and more. I mean, I don't think we have. Here's my thing. I'm giving him the money because they're throwing money around like just candy in the NBA. But, again, I'm giving him the money based off of those 31 games. Uh, you know, based off of those 31 games and based off of what he did in those 31 games, he getting paid. He's getting the dough from me. And I think that's what's going to happen with the Philadelphia 76ers. I think they're going to give him the dough as well. But I would give him the money. I, I, I would give him the money, and I would hope and pray, cross my fingers, my toes, and everything else that can cross, that he, was, he can stay healthy. That's what I would do. And speaking of health, we have the situation now with Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant, you know, he's a guy now. Uh, a bone bruise and, you know, uh, it was a partial tear in the meniscus. And so you look at that with Kevin Durant out at least four weeks. At least four weeks. He'll be reevaluated in four weeks. And who knows what's going to happen after that reevaluation. I mean, that reevaluation could be good. That reevaluation could be bad. So it's an MCL sprain at this point and a tibial bone bruise. Again, and there was talk at, at some point, at one point, that he had uh, broken the tibia in his leg. And fortunately for the Warriors, that wasn't the case. But here's the thing. Four weeks. He's re, he's reevaluated. So after that four weeks, it could be good. It also could be bad. And so with that being said, whether it could be good, whether it could be bad, it is something that is not a guarantee at this point in time that Kevin Durant will be where he needs to be. There's no guarantee. Do I, well, I, I was going to say, do I think? I don't know what to think at this point. I don't know what to think at this point because at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen. But here's what I do know. The Golden State Warriors, at this point in time, obviously Kevin Durant went out early against the Wizards, and ultimately they lost that game as they're on their East Coast trip at this point. And then they go to Chicago last night, and they lose again. This is a much different team without Kevin Durant. That's the reality of the situation. This is a much, much different team without Kevin Durant. And one of the reasons it's a different team without Kevin Durant is because of all the guys they had to give up in order to get Kevin Durant. All the guys they had to give up. Andrew Bogut, who was a rim protector, who was a good passing big man, and who did his job for the Warriors. Gone. 
Harrison Barnes, a guy, Harrison Barnes is south, a, a guy who played his role and played his role well, gone. Maurice Spates, Mo Buckets, Mo Buckets gets buckets. And Mo Buckets, again, another casualty of that. Barbosa, Leandro Barbosa, another guy who gave him big minutes off the bench. And these guys were a part of a 73-win basketball team. So you can't discount that. Azili, Festus Azili, another big, another guy with size that you had to give up. A guy you didn't resign, a guy you, you let move on. I mean, all these guys were big parts and big reasons why the Warriors, A, won 70, well, let, let's go back more. A, why the Warriors won their first title. B, why the Warriors won 73 games and was one game away from winning their second consecutive title. So, Having those guys, and you know, was a big part of what the Warriors did. And obviously, losing those guys, I mean, you can stand it. You can, you know, you can get through it because you have maybe what second, third, fourth best player in basketball, top five at least. Maybe some people believe it's the second best player in this game. So you had to get rid of all those things in order to get your hands on the great Kevin Durant. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, this is still a very good basketball team. This is still a basketball team, a great basketball team, because you still got the components of last year's team, components of that last year's big three of Green, of uh, uh, Thompson, of Curry. You still got those guys. You know, Steph Curry's a two-time MVP. Klay Thompson, one of the best two-way players in this game. Draymond Green can do it all. Versatility to the max. Defense. You know, can score a little bit. Passing. So on and so forth. So you got all that still. You still have that. But the reality of the situation is you don't have your best player. And Kevin Durant... Even though Steph Curry is big time, even though Steph Curry has a ring, even though Steph Curry has two MVPs, Kevin Durant is better than Steph Curry. Kevin Durant is better than Klay Thompson. Kevin Durant is better than Draymond Green. Kevin Durant is a difference maker. Kevin Durant is what separates the Warriors from everybody else. Kevin Durant. Because you look at last year, heck, the uh, – OKC with Kevin Durant and with Westbrook easily could have won that series, should have won that series after being up 3-1. So Durant going to Golden State was a big-time domino effect. But at this point with Durant being out, and again, four weeks, we'll see what happens, hopefully for the Warriors. And I think hopefully for the game of basketball, Kevin Durant is back but there are no guarantees. But if he doesn't come back, looking at the Western Conference, okay, and and just looking at how the Western Conference stacks up, and we're going to go to the Eastern Conference in a moment because I think the Eastern Conference is getting interesting as well. But looking at the Western Conference, 
with Kevin Durant, let's just go with the assumption that Kevin Durant does not come back and play another game of basketball for the Golden State Warriors this season. It's a large assumption. It's a large leap. And, and there's no guarantee that would be the case. But we look at and we look around. Houston's tough. That's a tough team. They shoot the three ball big time. And they're a team that I'm not saying they could beat the Warriors. Okay, let's put it this way. With Kevin Durant, I don't think they beat the Warriors in the seven-game series. Without Kevin Durant, they're a possibility. there's a possibility. Most definitely a possibility. San Antonio, of course. You know, San Antonio's big time. Can they beat Golden State without Kevin Durant? Most definitely. And I think you almost would have to make the Spurs the favorite if Kevin Durant does not come back. And you wonder, even if Kevin Durant does happen to come back, Will he be 100%? I mean, we saw uh, Steph Curry last year when he got hurt. And he said, you know, I wasn't 100%. I was not 100%. And and so with all that being said, with all that being said and him saying that he was not 100%, who's to say Kevin Durant will be 100% come playoff time? And that's something for us to talk about and think about. But I think Houston, I think Houston and San Antonio, I mean, Utah, the Clippers, I mean, I think I think everybody else, except for the Denver Nuggets, can push them. But the Nuggets, who knows? I mean, they're playing okay basketball. And, you know, they match, they match up fairly decent against Golden State. Who knows what could happen there? And then, oh, by the way, I'm looking down, I'm looking at a team at this point that's made a big-time move at the deadline, getting a Boogie Cousins, and that's the New Orleans Pelicans. That size of Anthony Davis and his versatility with the size of Boogie Cousins, if New Orleans can find a way to creep, 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 to that eighth spot, and at this point they would have to leap four teams to get there, and at this point they're four games out. And at this point, they got 21 games left. So if the Pelicans can find a way to inch and inch and inch and inch and get it right and, and, and you know, have Boogie and AD come together and not just put up numbers, but put up numbers and win, if they can do that, if they can run off a few games here and a few games there and make the playoffs, that game, series, excuse me, with the Golden State Warriors that they can keep the first spot would be very, very interesting. Very interesting. I'm not saying, obviously, that the Pelicans can beat the Warriors, but they can most definitely stretch it. And in the playoffs, I say this all the time, but you don't want to get stretched because when you get stretched, when you have to go long series, six, seven-game series, That's more chance, more opportunity for injuries to happen. And again, we all know what happened with Steph Curry and how that may have affected who won the NBA title last year. It didn't help that Draymond Green was, you know, kicking people. That didn't help. But my point is, my point is, if you look at the Golden State Warriors, if Kevin Durant doesn't come back, 
the Western Conference, what many people thought was the Warriors. And, you know, we may have talked San Antonio, may have talked Houston a little bit. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody really, really thought that the Spurs could beat the Warriors in a seven-game series with Kevin Durant. Could push them, sure. But I don't think anybody thought the Spurs could beat them. I don't think with Kevin Durant there, any team can beat the Golden State Warriors in the seven-game series. That's just my personal opinion. And I could be wrong with that. But I don't think so. But let me go to the Eastern Conference for a second. While we're, you know, kind of talking about the playoffs and everything. And, you know, Kevin Durant's injury kind of brought us here. But, I mean, look at the Eastern Conference at this point. And you look at the Cavaliers. And, yes, you know, you added Darren Williams. And, yes, you added Andrew Bogut, which helps. Don't get me wrong. It helps. But I'm looking around the Eastern Conference. Again, I'm not saying any of these teams are going to beat the Cavaliers. I'm not saying that. But Boston is playing well. They're only three games out of the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. But Boston is playing well. And they have one of the better closers in the game in Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is one of the better closers in this game. His fourth quarter dominance, second to none. I mean, he gets it done in the fourth quarter. You know, his fourth quarters are legendary. His fourth quarters are what's, you know, obviously putting him in the MVP conversation. But obviously when it comes to the MVP conversation, it's only about two people. It's about Harden. It's about Westbrook. And as far as I'm concerned, if Russell Westbrook averages a triple-double, finishes this year averaging a triple-double, and the OKC Thunder finish even one game over 500, he wins the MVP because that's something that hasn't been done in a long, long time. But Isaiah Thomas, a closer, closes it out for you. Game in and game out. And a guy, little big man, he's a little big man for sure, 5'9", and just the way his, he uses his body to get into the lane and to be able to finish amongst the trees is impressive, man. It's impressive how he's able to do it. It really is. And he did it Wednesday night against the Cavaliers. Isaiah Thomas did what Isaiah Thomas has done throughout the course of this year, and that's finish in the fourth quarter, even though LeBron messed around and got a triple-double. Didn't matter. Did not matter. Didn't matter at all. So even though they have Bogut, even though they have Darren Williams, which which both are, are big-time signings, Boston is coming. Boston is coming and is playing some good basketball. So you got Boston. You also have, I think, Toronto, who might make things interesting. Here's the thing with Toronto, though. 
Kyle Lowry. His health is important. Has a wrist injury. They said he'll be back, possibly for the playoffs. Now, we'll see if that happens, but that's huge. Kyle Lowry, obviously, is a game changer. He's huge. He's big time. He's an all-star, one of the best point guards in this game. So that's going to be interesting as well. That's most definitely going to be interesting. So we'll see what happens. But the Wizards are making things interesting in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics, obviously, are making things interesting. And I think Toronto, on some level, is making things a little interesting in the Eastern Conference with the addition of Serge Ibaka and the Wizards. I mean, they're playing some big-time basketball. They're getting it done. They really are playing some big-time basketball. So I'm interested. You know, we we I know I hear Stephen A. Smith say this. You know, I'm mad at he said he's mad at Kevin Durant for for messing up the season. I don't think you know, and I rebut this all the time, but I think he's dead wrong on that. And, and I think obviously the way the Celtics are playing, because obviously we all thought Cleveland would get out of the East and Golden State would get would get out of the West. But the way Boston's playing right now. The way the Wizards are playing right now, Toronto's playing some decent basketball right now as well. So the way those two te- those three teams are playing, I think it makes you think, okay, it's possible. And I think even in the Western Conference, even with Kevin Durant there, I think the Spurs and Rockets are capable of giving the Warriors a long series. Now, the way it's presently set up, the Spurs – well, the Warriors wouldn't even have to see either the Spurs or the Rockets because they're two and three. And so those two teams, if they win their first-round matchups, would meet in the second round. So Golden State wouldn't necessarily have to worry about it. But they wouldn't necessarily have to worry about Utah, the Clippers, and the Clippers are always interesting with CP3 and Blake, especially without Kevin Durant possibly being there. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe, just maybe, if OKC stays at two and Golden State falters a little bit, they're on a two-game losing streak. But if they do falter a little bit, which is possible without Kevin Durant and San Antonio were to happen to leapfrog the Golden State Warriors, we would get Warriors, Thunder, in the first round of the NBA playoffs. How exciting would that be? That would be very, very Very, 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 very exciting if that were to happen. A lot has to happen for that to happen. But without without Kevin Durant, anything is possible and anything can happen. And so let's hope that it does happen. Cross your fingers. I would love to see it. You know, maybe without Kevin Durant, maybe it goes six. With Kevin Durant, I got to be honest, which is probably done in a sweep or or five at the most. Because if you saw the regular season, when these two teams played, you know, Golden State was just head and shoulders above OKC. They just had too much talent, way too much talent. Second hour of Go For It starts right now.
Second hour of Go For starting right now. In this last half hour, we're going to be joined by one of the stars of BET's hit series, The Quad, actor Jake Allen. Jake plays Bojan, the quarterback out there for the fictitious Georgia a and So we're going to talk to Jake Allen in a moment. Before we get there, Shaquille O'Neal and JaVel McGee, they had a little beef going on there. The JaVel was a little upset. A little angry and none too happy about Shaq, you know, just keep coming at him and keep coming at him and keeps coming at him with Shaq and the fool and all the other stuff going on. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, first and foremost, Shaq said that his mama told him to stop and lay off JaVel McGee. And so, you know, him and Shaq had a little Twitter beef going on. They're going back and forth on Twitter. Tweeting each other, and you know, Shaq calling him a, a bum, and you know, talking about you go smack the sugar honey iced tea out of him, and you know, all that stuff. You know, McGee calling Shaq a coon, and, and things of that nature, going back and forth. And you know, Javel McGee saying to Shaq, you know, you know, I'm a real person, you're making me look dumb. So, I gotta say this. I gotta say this. I gotta say this. I understand what Javel McGee is saying. I know his mama, Pam, uh, Pam McGee, you know, she came out and supported Javel, said Shaq was cyberbullying him, and, uh, you know, some cyberbullying going on, and, you know, Shaq, uh, you know, he, he should be suspended, should be fired, so on and so forth. And here's what I say about this situation. Here's what I say about this situation. I'm like this. First and foremost, I think in life, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. And it's not like, don't get me wrong, it's not like Shaq is, it's not like Shaq in a Fool is all about JaVel McGee. It's not just JaVel McGee. You know, it's it's other players that Shaq has went after. There's other players that Shaq has made fun of. This is all in good fun. And I think in life, we have to be able to laugh at ourselves. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves because you know what? We do make mistakes. You know what? We're not perfect. And we make mistakes on the basketball court. And so Shafton the Fool to me is all about fun. And it's like, I don't think Shaq is malicious. I don't think Shaq is mean spirited with it. I just really think that Shaq is just having fun. Shaq is doing what Shaq has done throughout the course of his career and his time in the limelight. And that's have fun. And that's what Shaq and the Fool was all about, having fun. And I think, you know, Shaq said something about a, what, light-skinned millennial. I think millennials are a little bit sensitive, a, a, a tad too sensitive. I really do believe that to be the case. I think the millennials are a little soft. They're soft. They're not like people my age. I'm in my 40s. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. But you know what the reality is is this. I I think Shaq is on to something when he talks about millennials and, and, and millennials being a little soft. They are. 
Shaq is just having fun. You gotta be able to laugh at yourself. Be able to laugh at yourself. None of us are infallible. We all have things that we're dealing with. We all have things that we do wrong. We don't do everything right. We just don't. We really don't. And so, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even though we all don't do right, even though we all make mistakes, I just think at the end of the day, man, I really do think we have to just be able to laugh at ourselves, be able to make fun of ourselves, be able to realize that we are not perfect, that, that we are people who do stupid stuff. We are people who make mistakes on a basketball court. And it's just basketball at the end of the day. It's just basketball. You gotta be able to laugh at yourself. You gotta be able to do it. It's healthy. And I think this JaVel McGee, I think Shaq took it too far, you know, with the whole Twitter thing. But I think JaVel McGee calling, you know, saying Shaq is cooning and all that other stuff, I think it's a little ridiculous. Just my opinion on the situation. But I, I, don't, I don't ride with JaVel McGee on this. I think it's kind of much to do about nothing. You know, and I think Kenny Smith said this, you know, if you're a GM and, and this is affecting the way you're you're looking at JaVel McGee, then you probably shouldn't have a job. I mean, that's a little silly. It's a little stupid. That's a little dumb. I mean, that's just, just not brand. I mean, I don't think it's affecting his ability to, to be – evaluated properly by GMs. I, I think that's silly. I don't think that's messing up his career. I, re- I really don't. But again, what do I know? Anyway, we, we got Jake Allen coming up in a few moments. Before we get there, Colin Kaepernick, he is going to opt out of his deal with the 49ers. And in opting out, he's going to become a free agent. And ultimately, he's going to be available for all 32 NFL football teams. Here's my thing. And, and Colin came out the other day and said he's not he's going to stand for the pledge. You know, there's been progress made and blah, 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 blah. Uh, call me cynical, but I don't believe – I think this is a byproduct of Colin Kaepernick. First and foremost, I applaud Colin Kaepernick. Secondly, you know, I, 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 I anybody that's going to take a risk the way he took a risk, I, I applaud. Because it wasn't like Colin Kaepernick was putting up big-time numbers but he did have guaranteed money. Now the guaranteed money is no longer there because he's opted out, but the guaranteed money ain't there now. So with all that being said, being that there ain't no more guaranteed money, Colin Kaepernick's like, look, I got to get a job. So in order for me to get a job, I got to make sure, you know, anything that's going to mess up my resume or affect my resume or or, or make people look at me negatively or different and, and just not look at me for what I can possibly do on the field but look at, you know, just look at me that there on what I can do on the field. Not anything else. I'm not going to be a distraction is what he's saying. But, 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 
you said you were going to do this until things changed or until you felt things changed. And, you know, maybe other people have kneeled and other people have done some things, but can we say it's things have really, really changed? I don't think so. He, he may have started the conversation. I'll give him that. You know, he did stick his neck out there, but he still has guaranteed money. The geek still has guaranteed money. So, again, hey, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I'm very cynical of it. And, hey, and I'm not mad. First and foremost, I'm not mad at him because you got to eat. You got to make money. And this is how he makes his money. It's not like Colin Kaepernick has been all that great over the years. And you wonder what the market is going to be with, for Colin Kaepernick. And that should be interesting as well. But I think in order for him to, you know, get out there and, and, and find a new team, I think this is the thing that he needed to knock off first. This is the thing that he needed to get rid of. And this is the thing he needed to, to show teams, hey, I'm not going to be a distraction. I'm just going to play football at this point in time. Yeah. I, I think it's fair at this point for, for those to question his message and be a little cynical of it. I think it's fair. You know, I know some comment came at him for not voting, but I don't think everybody votes in each and every election that you're eligible to vote in. I don't think you do. So I think unless you vote in every single election, primaries, you know, local elections, things of that nature, not just president, but every single time that there is an election and, you're, and you vote, unless you do that, unless you vote in every single election, you can't really say much. That's just my opinion on the situation. But Colin's doing what Colin's got to do to get himself a job. I'm not mad at you, Colin. But I think your message, I think people will question your message. And I think it's fair for people to do that. We're going to bring in a guy now doing big things with BET's hit series, the quad, big time ratings. A lot of people are talking about it. And we're going to bring him in now. Jake Allen. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of BET's hit series, The Quad, actor Jake Allen. Jake, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. And Jake, let's get right down to it. You're doing big things on BET's hit series, The Quad. Now you play a quarterback, Bo John, at the fictitious HBCU, Georgia A&M. Talk about your character. Uh, well, my character, as you can probably tell from the name, is uh, from the Deep South. He's from uh, a small town in Texas. And uh, he was one of those big-time five-star recruits in high school, one of those guys that had uh, D1 offers from every, uh, every school across the country. But um, towards the end of his high school career, he was having some anger issues, some personal problems going on with his family. And he makes, uh, he makes a bit of a mistake and ends up getting blacklisted from all the big D1 kind of powerhouse football schools. And uh, Georgia A&M kind of takes, takes a last chance on him, gives him a, uh, a last opportunity to keep his football career going. And uh, so for my character, the show starts with me kind of showing up on campus and uh, trying, to, uh, trying to fit in at the school and, uh, and on the team. So let me ask you this. I, I heard somewhere that yep. you didn't know about the H, about HBCUs before this show. Talk about that. 
Not really, no. I mean, I remember uh, getting the script, and on the title page, it kind of had a, uh, a little description of, of HBCUs and, you know, how many um, African Americans have attended them and kind of the history about them all. And I, and I knew about predominantly black schools and things like that. I knew, I knew they existed, but I didn't know the, the history behind it all. I didn't know, uh, you know, what I've learned now is kind of HBCU culture. So for me, which was amazing as especially playing a character who was in the exact same boat, for me, I got to, for Jake Allen, the actor, got to learn about HBCUs, while at the same time, Bojan, who also has no idea what a HBCU is, coming from this small town in Texas, he's kind of learning about the HBCU culture, too. So, what are your thoughts on the HBCU culture? I mean, obviously, it's something new to you. How do you feel about it? you have a greater appreciation for it? Oh, most definitely. I'm, I was mad because... I didn't get to go. We had um, an off day, and everyone was going to Morehouse to because uh, we shot a lot of the uh, a lot of the first season on Morehouse campus, and we shot right during um, homecoming weekend. And okay. so when we had an off day, everybody, all the cast and crew, was going to go down to Morehouse Stadium and go like go see a real you know HBCU Saturday afternoon football game with the band and all that good stuff. And I had, uh, I can't remember what my schedule was, but I basically had to stay and prepare for my scenes that were, like, shooting the next day. Okay. And I saw so many pictures and, like, social media videos. It looked like so much fun. But, um, but I did get to experience a little bit of it because uh, my roommate on the show, uh, Miles Stroder, actually went to Morehouse. Okay. So he kind of got to take me around a little bit and, I like to say he kind of guided me through the, the HBCU culture, you know? For sure, for sure. We're talking to one of the yeah. stars of BT's hit series, The Quad, actor Jake Allen. And Jake, I, I got to ask you this now. The ratings, they're good, which is a good thing for everybody. And I think one of the reasons of that the ratings are good is because you guys are not afraid to touch controversial issues, whether it's racism, whether it's sexual assault, whether it's all those things, you guys are not afraid to tackle those issues. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like to say that instead of going around an issue or pretending they don't exist, we go we go right at them. Um, and that's that's real life. You know, these a lot of these things like really exist, especially on college campuses. You know, obviously, sexual assault is a a worldwide issue, sure. but very particularly on college campuses, it seems to be something that is just too is just happening too much. Um, you know, I think I think the statistic is that one out of five girls has been a victim of sexual assault. So Wait, even just just to know that at all, you know what I mean, is something that we were actively going to try and touch on. And you know, I know uh, especially last night. In uh, last night's episode, we really dive into the sexual assault in the show. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when we were live tweeting and things like that, it really, uh, it really touches you when, when, uh, when girls and guys reach out and say, hey, thank you so much for doing this show. Um, you know, I've been a victim or, or I know someone who has or I can really relate to that issue or this issue, um, you know, on HBCU campuses, but just on college campuses everywhere. Definitely. You know, whether it's an HBCU or, or not, these are issues that are going on uh, in any campus. 
For sure. So you're a guy now that played a little quarterback in high school, also played some quarterback at Cornell. We know who you are as an actor, but who is Jake Allen, the quarterback? Uh, okay. You know, I actually, I played receiver at Cornell. Okay. Okay. So I gotta, I gotta make that, uh, that side note. Cause that was, cause that was one of the things when I got onto the show, I was like, Oh, I, you know, I played receiver. I'm going to have no problem with quarterback. Now I have a much more, uh, a much stronger respect for quarterbacks, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in I grew up in Dallas, um, and you can't you can't grow up in Dallas and not uh, and not play some football. And I don't think I I don't think I would have been able to graduate high school if I couldn't throw a, a pretty good spiral. I don't think they would have let me out of Texas. Um, so it's just it really is a part of your culture growing up. And uh, I remember uh, talking with Rob Hardy, who directed uh, directed the pilot. And uh, when we were, we were talking about the football and how the football choreography was going to go and how he, he really wanted to do it, like, gritty. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen the pilot, but they really, like, get in, get in the huddle, you know, so you can see the spit flying and hear the yelling and all that, all the sweat and the, the dirt, you know. And sure. uh, I remember telling him, I'm like, I got a lot of friends back in Texas that are going to be watching this show and, like, if this football stuff isn't, isn't fire – I'm going to, you know, I, I don't know if I'll be able to go back to Texas. So uh, that, I tried to put as much pressure on him as I could, but uh, I think we came out with a, with a great result. So you think it, it was fire? I think it was fire. Okay. All right. So I, I see your bio, and, and as you said, you are a Dallas kid. That probably yes, means, sir. obviously, that you are a Cowboys fan. You know, the year didn't end too well. Talk about that. Tough, tough to watch. I was watching. Uh, I watched that uh, that Packers game with a couple of my castmates, and it was uh, it's hard because the Cowboys they're so. I mean, I tell you what, you talk about good drama. You talk about television and, and how our show has great drama. Oh my God, the Dallas Cowboys—they're a walking a walking drama show, you know. So it's definitely it, it hurts your heart when they lose in such dramatic fashion. You know what I mean? For sure. But at the same time, I have to I have to say just because I am a diehard Cowboys fan, to see to see us come back, I think from like 18 points, and think, to see you know our new quarterback Dak, like especially I don't you know if you remember the two point conversion, like yes. at crunch time, crunch time brings you back 18 points. And then once the ball himself on the two-point conversion, you know, takes a big hit to, to go in for the two-pointer, like, that, even though we lost, and I don't get me wrong, I'm like, I want Super Bowls for Big D. Like, that's all we care about. But to see that was definitely like, a, okay, we, we're going to be okay for the next decade. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel like good things, you know? For sure. But here's, here's one thing but I'll say. Losing, here's one losing, thing I'll man, say. it hurts. I, I was. Yeah. I know you. You were hurting, but I was kind of happy. Oh, Lifelong Eagles fan, so I was. I was good for you know what, what happened. But um, let me say this. Obviously, Dak Prescott looks like he's for real. Elliot looks like he's for real. But there are no guarantees in football. Anything can happen. Injuries sure. happen. Stuff happens. Mm. But end of the day, That's the end of the game, day, yeah. you feel like you guys are going to are going to get a Super Bowl at some point, at some time, during the Prescott era? Yes. Okay. Guaranteed. 
Oh, you, I mean, you just said you can't guarantee anything in football, but I believe it. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Don't get me wrong. You're right. But if, if you're going to be a fan for a team, you got to be all in, you know? I noticed uh, two years ago when we were having a real sour year, I would still wear all my Cowboys gear around, you know? Wear my, you know, I got a couple caps and T-shirts and stuff like that or wear my, wear my T-shirt to set or whatever. No one really said anything to me. Then last year, we have a, what was it, 11-game winning streak, something like that? Something like that. All of a sudden, a lot of people were coming up to me, yeah, go, go Cowboys, all right. Yeah, man. I'm like, where, where were you guys last year, man? So, <laughs> that's, you got to be all in with your team. That's why I respect, I don't know, I don't know if you're from Philadelphia or what. I am, I am. Team, but like, yeah, okay, there you go, exactly. Like, am I an Eagles fan? No, of course not. But do I respect someone? born and raised in Philadelphia that's going to go for the Eagles? Of course. And, and actually, that is actually a pet peeve of mine. If is you it? are born in Dallas, if you're born in Philadelphia, if you're born in uh, San Francisco, San Francisco, you like the 49ers. You're born in Dallas, you like the Cowboys. You're born in Philly, you like the Eagles. I totally agree with you. A person like that exactly. has loyalty issues. Don't trust a person like that. Exactly. It tells you something bigger about them, right? For sure. For sure. Exactly. I was, I will say, I was a little nervous uh, when I was going in for all the castings for, uh, for the quad. I think I went in, I went in in like maybe six or seven times over a two month period to, uh, to try and win this Bojan role. And uh, Rob Hardy, who's one of the creators, and as I was saying, one of the, one of the directors on the show, he's like big time football guy in, uh, I got some Dallas Cowboys, like, personalized sneakers that I wear sometimes. And I would rock those to the auditions. And okay. then eventually I met Rob, who's – I'm pretty – he's a Philly guy, born in Philly, Eagle, you know what I mean, rocks Eagle sweatshirts and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, if I don't get this role because I'm a Cowboys fan, oh, that's going to sting. But <laughs> I think he had the same, the, the same thoughts as you, was like, you're from Dallas, you know, you can go for the Cowboys, you know? And Bo John's from Texas, so I think it was cool. For sure. And, and the thing is, unfortunately, not your fault, of course, but there are a lot <laughs> of Cowboys fans who live not in Dallas, who are not from Dallas, who are not from Texas. They're, they are the worst yeah. Cowboys fans ever. The worst. <laughs> it's true. I, I even notice sometimes when I'm talking to people, and they're like, yeah, I love the Cowboys, you know. And, like, I love what Tony Romo's doing this year. And I'm like, uh, Dak Prescott started the last seven games. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know? So, I, I see what you mean, man. We're talking to one of the stars of BET's hit series, The Quad, actor Jake Allen. So, Jake, let me ask you this. Obviously, doing big things with The Quad. But you got some other things out there going on. You got a movie coming up, Overexposed. That's going to be coming out soon. You play a lead role there. Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, we shot um, just – I just finished uh, that movie last weekend, actually. We shot uh, the film Overexposed in Oklahoma. It's a, kind of a small-town murder mystery. And so we shot uh, in this small town of uh, Guthrie, Oklahoma, which uh, you probably haven't heard of, but that's kind of the point. And uh, it actually also tackles um, the issue of sexual assault and what it, what it can lead to. So it kind of, you know, it shows, like, 
the terrible aftermath, you know, kind of the terrible aftermath of it rather than like what leads up to it. And uh, so we dive into that and we shot that um, the past for the past month in Oklahoma. And it was actually directed by uh, by my older brother, Connor Allen. So it was a cool experience. First time working as a actor, director duo. So it was really, really exciting for me. So this whole thing runs in the family. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I started acting. Uh, I went uh, when I was in college. I wasn't acting. I was just playing football. You know, I just want to play for the Cowboys. That's pretty much all I thought about. Okay. And uh, when I was in college, I went to uh, one of the pre-productions of, uh, of, one of, my, of one of the movies my brother was directing. So I went when they were doing the casting for it. And when you do the castings, you always need a, a reader to read with these auditioning actors. So I volunteered and got to see like all these amazing actors come in and like perform, do their do their art, and um, it really reminded me of football. You know the way people, you know, just came in and, and shined. You know, and uh, there's that entertainment aspect of it that I love. And uh, so I went right when I got back to college. I uh, started taking classes. Balance, man. Big time up and coming. Yeah, we're, we're trying, man. Yeah, you guys do doing it big right now. So obviously, absolutely, the quad overexposed. What else you got out there, man? Honestly, I've been grinding so hard on the quad and overexposed. I haven't even had time to like sleep in my own bed in the past four months. I think so. I'm I'm looking forward to the next week. I just got back to Los Angeles, so. I'm looking forward to honestly just uh, doing more great interviews like this to keep spreading the good word about the quad and overexposed and uh, continuing to help out, you know, w- with a lot of the issues that we face on the show. Um, you know, we take a lot of pride in we're an entertainment show. We're a fictional drama, but the issues that we talk about are real. And so we're just trying to do our best as a cast and as a production team to talk about those issues in the media and, in our everyday society, you know, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind of doing that circuit for the next couple of weeks. So let me ask you this now, again, the quad off to a big time start, the ratings tell us that, the people tell us that, it's really resonating with Mm -hmm. the public, and we saw the first four episodes, and the first four episodes have been big time, what can we expect moving forward? I would say you can continue, like, What's amazing about the first four weeks is that, and what I'm proud of, is we were able to get those exciting moments and those dramatic pieces and great cliffhangers and things like that. But in those first, those first four weeks, you really learn about all the characters and like their backgrounds. So, for instance, with my character, you really, in those first four episodes, you start to understand like where he's come from and who he is as a person. So in these next couple weeks, when you see the, the drama start to get bigger and and uh, bigger things start to happen on the show, since you know the characters so much well, so much better, I think all that's just going to hit so much bigger for the audiences. So that's what I'm most excited about. All right, all right. So, so fans, make sure you check this man out each and every Wednesday on BET, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central, on BET, that is the quad. And also, hit this man up on Twitter, JakeAllen85, also on Instagram, Jake Allen 85 and support, support all the great things going on with Jake Allen and support all the great things going on with the quad. Jake, end of the day, do you Cowboys get it done next year? I know you, guarantee, I know you kind of guarantee yeah. it. 
Next year doesn't happen. Hell yeah, baby. Hell yeah. Okay. All right. Every, everybody keep honestly. Everybody keeps saying in the off season. I mean, this is what they say every year. But every year they go, "Ah, oh, the Cowboys are they're one piece away. They're one, you know, one player away. We just if we could just get this free agent, then then the Cowboys would get over that hump." I, I don't think it, I don't think they're missing any players. I think it's just a matter of of coming through, you know, okay. of of winning those big moments that in the past decade we seem to lose on. You know what I mean? All right. All right. That's I think that's all it is. So the answer is hell yeah. I'm a born and raised Dallas kid. You know, I have to say that. (laughs) I I will say this. I am happy with Carson Wentz. And I feel like, end of the day, Carson Wentz is better than Dak Prescott. But we'll see how that that happens. That's a a whole other interview, man. (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you what. I will say he has a rocket. I will give him that. I don't think there's a a strength of arm competition there. But but what about, like, Dak's heart and and leadership? Don't you think he has that that intangible quality over a lot of other quarterbacks? He does, but – and he – don't get me wrong. To be a rookie and do what he did last season is is incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then you you talk about that playoff game. He wasn't the reason they lost the playoff game. The defense was the reason. He did what he needed to do in that particular football game. But here's what I say about Carson Wentz. Here's what I say about Carson Wentz. He didn't have what Dak Prescott had. He didn't have a big-time wide receiver in Des Bryant. Didn't have a big-time running back in Ezekiel Elliott. He didn't have that. Once he gets that. The O-line. Yes, the O-line as well. You think unstoppable? Yeah. <laughs> who, do you, who, do, who are the Eagles going to get? You think they'll get Cooks? I mean, they need some help at wide receiver, right? Don't you think? I, I mean, they, they I, did yeah. not get it done last year. No, they, they most definitely need a number one wide receiver. Maybe it's Cooks. I mean, if the price tag isn't too high, I think Cooks is definitely an option. Maybe Alshon Jeffries. I mean, we'll see. Ooh. We'll see what they do. But, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they got to do something. And hopefully... They They'll do. do a quick fast and in a hurry. Yeah. Well, I'll be I'll be interested to see then, you know, if and when the Eagles do get a couple of those pieces around Carson Wentz. I'll be I'll be eager to see that that rivalry uh, continue. I think, uh, nonetheless, I think the next decade, the rivalry between Dak and Carson is going to be phenomenal to watch. For sure. I think it's going to be back and forth, man. That that's what I'm excited for. Can't wait, can't wait. So we need to have this conversation. Definitely. We need to have this conversation sometime in October, November, and, and, you know, we'll see where they stand at that point. Okay. Stand by my team, man. Okay. All right. So the Cowboys Super Bowl champions in 2017. Yes, sir. Okay. Sounds good. Jake, absolute pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with the quad and all the things that you're doing out there. Would love to do it again. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Wednesday nights. For sure. Take care. Jake Allen, one of the stars of BT's hit series, The Quad. Pleasure talking to Jake. And I want to thank Jake Allen for joining us here tonight. Again, make sure you check out The Quad each and every Wednesday, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 o'clock Central on BET. Also, 
I want to thank Chris Staples. Make sure you go to the theaters March 24th and go see Slamma Jamma and support all the great things going on with Slamma Jamma and Chris Staples. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash began, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow the show on Twitter, at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up at the website, GoForItGantSports.com. That's GoForItGantSports.com. Support all the great things going on with Paul Gant. And GoForSports.com. For everybody here at GoFort, we hope you have a great weekend. See you next week. Take care.